0: Okay, so I'm here with Josh Rhodes. I only ask one question.
1: What, that's it?
0: Yeah. What is it? I interview people who make their living or their life with an art. It clearly is you, and the art to which you have given your life and are making your living, would you say it's theater? Would you say it started with dance? What, what would you say?
1: I would say musical theater because that sort of encompasses my passion for storytelling in dance, in song, uh, with plays. I I think musical theater to me is probably the best way to describe what my passion is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if it's a play that I'm doing, I think what I learned, how I learned my craft was uh, being obsessed with musical theater.
0: Well, wait a second because I'm going to get there. Okay. Okay. So my question is, the only question I ask is... Do you remember, and can you tell me, the very first time musical theater, dance, stories, any of that drew you, se- seemed interesting to you?
1: Yes, uh, I think it was when I, was when I was really young. My parents had albums of musicals in their collection, Ah. and I stumbled upon Oklahoma.
0: About how old?
1: Oh, gosh very young probably five wow um i remember sound of music in oklahoma
0: so are you saying that they would play these records
1: no i found them you're kidding uh, they they didn't play i never i don't ever remember them playing musical theater but they had those albums you know there was in the 60s people bought musical theater albums they did they had west side story Uh they had sound of music and i think my dad was also part of one of those um columbia record clubs Uh and so i think sometimes they just showed up right um uh you know i never asked them whether they actually listen to them themselves but uh
0: (laughs) so uh, wait a minute are you saying that you you know this five-year-old six-year-old and you're you happen you look at these and you pull one out Mm -hmm. amazing Mm -hmm. like it like you were drawn (laughs) you know like
1: i i think Strangely, I think probably the art on front, uh, the everything about it probably drew me in. Yeah, uh, I don't remember that being the case, but it drew me in, and I played them, and I couldn't stop playing them.
0: You played them, which meant you knew how to put the record on. Oh, the...
1: yeah, oh put yeah, the album on, turn it on. Put, I knew. I remember the lever where you you pull it down to the needle. Yes, it goes. Yes, and you just.
0: You know, this is. Um, I mean, I have trouble today putting the needle down without scratching the record. Yeah, you were five. That's pretty amazing. Actually.
1: Well, my t- my dad probably. Yes, he probably me did that. Right, that right, not right. ruin his records.
0: Right, right, right.
1: But uh, yeah, I remember listening to uh, "Sound of Music" religiously and um, "Oklahoma." I remember trying to sound like um, John Rayton in Oklahoma as a young kid. I remember trying to sound like that. Uh, Uh,
0: So did you sing?
1: Well, I guess. (laughs) I I sang to myself. Yes. And you know, the musical that changed my life, the album that changed my life, is because my parents would watch me listen to musicals. And uh, when I was a kid, this little musical happened called Annie. (laughs) And, um, you know, for kids, it was sort of, at the time, it was the Wicked. Uh, Yes. You know, like every kid knew Annie. Right. Uh, people can't quite believe that, you know, but there was a time when that was the, that was the one, that yeah. was the one that was in everybody's household. And, uh, I think I was given it, uh, as a gift for my birthday.
0: To see it, you mean? No,
1: to listen to listen it.
0: Listen to it. Oh my goodness. And
1: it really changed, as much as I loved my, my sound of music and my Oklahoma, uh, Annie felt like my musical. Wow. And it felt like, uh. Uh, the, it, I guess maybe because they were kids.
0: Yeah. Uh, I yeah, just, kids' voices. Kids you didn't voices. have to pretend to be John no, Ray. No, I didn't
1: have to be John
0: Ray. <laughs> That's right. I That's could right.
1: actually, I didn't have to be Ado Annie. I could no. be, I could, I could listen, and I could sing maybe, and I was a little boy soprano, so I could sing with Andrew <laughs> Like I always tell people um, that uh, they're like, how did you learn to sing? I was like, Andrew McArdle. <laughs> 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 like, um, I actually worked with her this year, and I... Was like uh, I was a complete geek around her because mm-hmm. I just kept going. Oh my God, you taught me how to sing. <laughs> uh, but I, I think Annie was the one that really changed my life, and my parents knew how much I loved it. And they. Uh, I'm just
0: curious about how old were you when this well, happened?
1: When Annie came to on tour. I must have been must have been at least eight or nine at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so they took me to. Uh, To Champaign Urbana, which was a a college town that was, uh, oh God, north or just near uh, Decatur, Illinois, where I grew up, and they took bought me tickets to the national tour of Annie.
0: They had no idea what they were doing.
1: They didn't realize the contract (laughs) they were sealing at that point.
0: The consequences of this kind act. (laughs)
1: Uh, I I I remember specifically. uh, I remember specifically the show. Because um, I think my eyes probably—I probably didn't blink—and <laughs> I probably uh, took the entire thing in. And I remember as the curtain call—it was one of those big um, sports centers that mm-hmm. they divide. Uh, they divide when a show comes; they sort of put up a, a fake curtain, in the, and the <laughs> national tour comes in. And when you go, you know, those those sports arenas are always notorious for once you get to the parking lot, it takes forever to get out. Yes. As soon as the show is over. They grabbed us and ran so that we could get, so we wouldn't be stuck in the parking lot for an hour. I just remember them pulling me and walking backwards all the way up the <laughs> aisle because I didn't want to lose a single moment of it because I just, the curtain call happened, and I just was enamored with the entire experience. I thought all of them were stars, and I just, I remember my my mom yanking me out, reluctantly out <laughs> of that theater And that was sort of it. I was obsessed with theater at at that point. It was my first sort of, uh, I I can sort of say that that is my first memory of professional theater. And it was my first memory of a story that really took me to another place. And I guess that's why I sort of still to this day feel like that's what I do is musical theaters. Um, Because Annie isn't just song. It's not just dance. It's just, it's a really beautifully put together story of using song. And, uh, and uh, for a kid to be pulled into that universe so fully, uh, it's, it's impressive. It's hard. It's, musicals are hard. And so to, for, for the writers to get it right.
0: Clearly the writers get it right. And Annie is playing somewhere right this second.
1: Yes,
0: <laughs> you know? for sure. Right. So they clearly got it right. But I suspect that you would have been captured anyway by something.
1: Probably. Yeah. Probably.
0: So, okay, so now you have this epiphany. It is clear that this owns you. Um, do you ask for dance lessons, singing lessons? Do you audition? Do you...
1: Um, what I did is I, I auditioned for... Um, I did school musicals. Uh, okay, we're
0: talking about elementary school, middle school? Elementary
1: school. Really? And uh, and it was... And I auditioned for community... Th- someone said the community theater is... Uh, Theater 7 was the name of, is the name of the community theater in Decatur, Illinois. And this is amazing, but they used to put on original musicals. Really? Yes. There was a new musical written called Gyrant the Terrible Tyrant. And it was uh, this story about this sort of oppressive, um, tyrannical king and the lowly et cetera, which were the villagers and, uh, and an evil witch and dragon. Oh my. And the king in the end really wasn't mean. It was really the witch and the dragon who were keeping us all down. Um, but it was, but it had original music. Yeah. And it had an original story. And uh, it was in Decatur, Illinois. <laughs> I sometimes think back to that. And I'm like, it's hard enough to get an original musical in New York City, let alone Decatur, Illinois. I'm kind of amazed that uh, that was there. And I don't think I recognize that until oh, of later in life that, that that happened but anyway they were doing auditions and they had they needed children and uh i went in and i sang happy birthday because <laughs> uh, i had n- i'd never auditioned in my life i remember the room i was terrified uh i went in and we danced and i could not dance uh, it was so hard for me it was just at the convention of Telling you to move your body at the same rhythm as everybody else, um, it all seems so obvious now that I'm a dancer. But uh, at the time, I, the first time someone tells you to do it, it's actually quite tricky. Uh, so that and was you're dark. what
0: now? Ten?
1: I am. Twelve. I must have been nine, ten, because yeah. I started dance at ten. So what happened is I did this musical, and I went home and worked so hard on every single dance move, I just went home and I remember, I can still do the dance on my fingers <laughs> I remember it because I did it so many times to learn it and uh, my parents saw that I was just so dedicated to yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to getting the dance right that um, I remember my mother was reading in the paper that there was a male dance teacher in Decatur, Illinois and she just randomly while she was doing dishes, I was walking through the kitchen I remember the moment, she goes, hey I was reading that uh, there's a male dance teacher in town. Would you like to take, would you want to take dance? Because she knew that I was struggling with that yeah. one routine. And I, and I remember just very nonchalantly going, yeah. And that was it. And I met uh, one of the greatest mentors I've ever had, uh, Gary Shull, who is still my, my dear friend and uh, is always coming to see my shows. And he's amazing. Uh, he was the one I, I walked into this dance uh, studio, and uh, I was the only guy, I was incredibly embarrassed and shy and nervous, and he took me under his wing and kept teaching me, and I, and he was really good, because I came in and, you know, being a a boy, what was this, 1981, being a, a boy in the Midwest, uh, no other guys were taking dance. Right. I was very nervous and very self-conscious of being the only boy. So of course I said, well, I'll do it, but I only want to tap, you know, because I just want to do that. And he actually was really smart. He goes, I'll let you tap, but if you take tap, you have to learn how to dance. So it means you have to take ballet. <laughs> uh, so I really didn't want to take ballet. But he made me, and I was so <laughs> grateful that he made me, because then I became uh, obsessed with it, and I loved it. I, just as much as I loved anything, any other part of musical theater, I, I, I dove in with the same passion yes. and obsession. And I just danced and danced and he was a wonderful um, mentor and he knew and he saw that I had this passion and he just kept teaching me musicality. You know, he was one of the first teachers who taught me choreography. He would point to the score and he'd go, look at this in the score. Something interesting is happening here. And you have to, and he taught me, he said, you always have to obey the music. If the music does something, the movement has to match it. And uh, oh which my is God. amazing things to tell a young person who had no idea that twenty years later he'd be a choreographer? Um,
0: yes, it, it's so—it's really rather magical what happened in your life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know? Well, you know, you would depend on you depend on the kindness of strangers, but you—you uh, you, you
0: seem to have depended on the kindness of circumstance. I mean,
1: yeah, yeah. You, do You know?
0: I mean, it—you just were led.
1: I was led, yes. That's had, what it feels had, like. But I had people in my life, though, who didn't fight it they they saw it and they instead of going uh, how do i fix this they said how do i help this
0: i just want to stop because whenever i hear this i want to say this is what makes the difference between happy humans and unhappy humans yes. you know is support for who you are yeah and that's what you got it's, it cannot be overestimated yeah i mean you're taking you to see the show that was a clear um example of we see our kid likes this let's let him have it your mother sees you want to dance so she says how about dance it's all very lovely
1: it's very lovely and I didn't have to I didn't have to be forceful in my in my existence I didn't have to fight for my existence as an artist no um, my dad is an electrician and he knew that uh, he tried to teach me things about wires and he knew that I had no interest in it, but he would let me sit. But he, we were still companions in the workshop. But I was the kid going to the scrap pile going, can I have two of these? And one of these, and you, can ha- you can't have that, but you can have that. And I would make weird sculptures. <laughs> <laughs> My dad would actually build something that actually works. <laughs> and I would just be like, look, Dad, I made a sculpture. And and you, would, yeah. and you went, okay.
0: <laughs> and you would make art. I would make art. That's right. Okay, so... Um, I'm assuming you continued to study with Gary through high school?
1: Through high school.
0: And then you're going to graduate from high school, and you have to think about what you're going to do. I have
1: to so- think about what I want to do to co- in college. And at that point, I, as far as mentors, I had gained one more very important mentor in my life, and her name was Maria Clot, who's no longer with us, but she was my piano teacher. And uh, because I... And I Well, she was my voice teacher. I wanted someone to help me sing. I wanted to sing all the time, so I found this professor at Milliken University in Decatur, Illinois, and uh, she loved musical theater. And she was, she and Gary were both very exceptional in that they both saw that I loved this, and they just and they also I think love musical theater so much as well that they love sharing it with me. I would go to a voice lesson, and then she would go, okay this is Steven Sondheim's company you're gonna take this album home and you're gonna listen to it Aww. and then uh, she go this is candor and Ebb <laughs> and this she would take she would send albums home with me and I would listen to uh, floor of the red Menace and I would listen to um, I'd listen to a, became obsessed with a little night music and I became obsessed with um, anyone can whistle mm-hmm. Um uh, because I would get these cassettes and I would get these albums and I would go home and I would uh, listen to them and I, I was given a complete history of musical theater without even knowing it uh,
0: it 's the same thing it's it's pretty magical
1: yeah
0: I mean other teachers would not necessarily have gone this this distance to provide you with this you know what I'm saying? No. I mean, it's really rather amazing. And
1: they both sort of teamed up together, and they called me the kid. um, Well, they they
0: clearly also saw the talent. I mean, it's not just that you were obsessed. Clearly, they saw that you could do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you haven't said it yet, but I can't imagine that they spent all this time and energy on somebody just because he was curious about it.
1: True, true. They they probably saw that, that... it was something I needed to get out, and it was something that I actually was getting better at. Yes. Um, so they were very, they were so helpful in that process, and they they were very kind and and always giving me extra time and extra energy. And they became they sort of had a powwow, and I remember I went to my voice lesson, and Maria uh, put an application in for college in front of me, and she said, "You're applying to University of Michigan." <laughs> she said they have an amazing. Um, uh, musical theater program. She goes, and you need to get out of Decatur. And uh, and it was just great because she and I applied. I went up there. I fell in love with the school when I saw it. I thought that um, I loved the way they spoke to me about my love of dance because a lot of schools at that time, uh, you come there and you say, oh, I'm a dancer. And they go, well, I, I mean, I had a lot of universities say, well, anybody can learn how to dance. Oh, You're yeah. really only interested if you if you can act or sing. And I remember thinking, okay, but I remember thinking, that's not true. Of course not. That's actually not true. And actually what I've been working on at that point for seven years yeah. felt like I really had sort of packed in some information and so, so sort of belittle it and go, yeah, 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 you dance, but we're only concerned with um, people who come here who are quality singers and actors. And I said, well, I want to do it all. And University of Michigan um, was the only school – that assessed our talent in dance, music, and singing, uh, dance, music, and acting. They assessed all of it and had value and, and said that they value all of it. And I said, Now, if I want to keep this as a focus through your program, they said, Oh, yeah, there are ways. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out a way that you can still go to the dance school and get ex- exceptional training um, and still, you know, fulfill the curriculum that we've provided for you. God. And I just thought, well, that's the school for me. Because I, again, your first question, what do you like to do? And I'm like, i like to do musical theater. Yes. I like to do it all. Um, you know, I, I've i had people come up to, when I was young say, you can't be a Renaissance man. You have to learn one discipline. And I remember thinking, I don't think so. I think you can do, I think you can do it all. I think maybe, maybe I won't be able to be ABT, because my dancing won't be to that level, but I will be at some level that is correct for what I want to do, uh, which I think is what I sort of what I, I fought for.
0: Yeah, and and uh, again, you just got led. I mean, they said, "Go here, do this." You know, you, uh, yeah, I right? really
1: did. They, they <laughs> yeah. grabbed me by the hand and threw me. They're like, they oh. to,
0: yes, right, yeah. right." Okay, so you're at. at in Michigan now, yeah. you're in college, yeah. so what?
1: So I'm at Michigan and I it's an incredible program and uh, it allows me to really look at everything I know so far as a dancer and a singer and then sort of have these uh, really great professors look at you and go, okay, that's good, but you really need this, you really need to work on that. And so it's an intense four years of just doing musical theater all day long, You know, because before, musical theater and dance were something I did after school or on a weekend and so it was the first other than summer stock which gives you that sort of
0: which you also did?
1: oh yeah every summer I was an apprentice for many from 15 to I was an apprentice for 5 years and I would clean toilets and and, uh, uh, I would help build the sets I was a scenic artist one day the one thing I could do was I was a good scenic artist I was a terrible technician backstage I, I would if you wanted something pulled in the right way, I would pull it in the wrong way. Um, that was not my forte. But I was good at painting. I was good at cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> I helped, but I worked on the uh, I was an apprentice for many years, and so then when I went to school, it was like a, a chance to just concentrate on the craft all day long. You still have your, your, your regular studies, of course, but uh, I was around other fellow yes. lovers of musical theater, which I think is also an important part of your growing experience mm-hmm. and sharing with other artists and learning. Um, seeing all these people who come from all over, they have, they're have exceptional at, at, we're all exceptional at something. And so you can sort of share and learn from each other. And I remember that was just such a, a very important four years for, for me. And it allowed me to move to New York with confidence that I knew what I was doing, and I was ready for this. So
0: that's what you did. You moved to New York.
1: I did. I did. I, I, um, I was planning on moving to New York. Uh, I graduated in 93. Uh, I was planning on going that fall, but I was cast in the national tour of Oklahoma. <laughs> and, uh, and so I went out on the road for almost a year, and then I went, I moved in the next year.
0: What a shame. You
1: know, to, <laughs> But it was so exciting. Of for, course. Out of oh, it's wonderful. Tour and, yeah. You know, it was a it uh, was that a, was
0: a little facetious, the shame and It was wonderful. It was amazing. Oh, it was amazing. Right. It was
1: amazing. And it was a bus and truck. It was one of those one of those those unbelievable bus and trucks where you get up you get in the bus in the morning yes. at five in the morning, they bus you. You get lunch, they bus you a little further. You go get, get to the hotel, you shower, you get back in, you go to the theater, you have a sound check, you do a show, you go to sleep the next morning, you do it again. Oh, it my was, God. I could have only done that at that age. Yeah,
0: right. But, well, but what amazing training also. Oh, my gosh. Right? Well,
1: you know, it's like, uh, at that point, again, as for dancers and singers, uh, at that point, the longest run of a show I'd done was like, oh, uh, the community theater production had eight performances. That's yes, right, 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 You know, I'd never done Anything over eight performances? Yes, right. Um, because the really what you're in the business to do is eight shows a week, and to have the your technique has to be good solid enough, solid enough that you can actually perform and give the audience the same experience. Yes. Uh, one week from now, eight weeks from now, nine months from now, eight years from now. Right. The long run is really. Hard, but it's also what it's about. Yeah, it's what uh, you want. It's what you want. And so, I, there's again another learning experience of, of, I'm sure everybody experiences this when they get into the workforce for the first time, just eight hours a day. How do you discipline yourself to stay um, focused? And how do you discipline yourself to stay, uh, to be still be good?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't think it's the same.
1: You don't no. think it's the same?
0: No. No, I think at most jobs, there's a lot of downtime. Yes. And you, you know, you, you're on and then you're not on or whatever. But, but performers, especially in theater, they cannot ever be not on. I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, they are because you're a human being. But it's what you said, that, that the audience deserves to get the performance that they signed on for, that they paid yeah. for, right? Yeah. And so theoretically, although it's impossible to do, completely always that's the challenge no it's the
1: challenge and it's also the um, I think also when you when you do a national tour for a year it's the first time as a young person you experience art as a job Yes and that is a really tough transition because before it's all been fairy dust and and adrenaline yeah, yeah, yeah. and excitement yes right and you know cut to six months of doing the same show there are days when you put on your costume and go, Oh, my God, I don't have the energy to do this. Right. And that. And um, um, what I say to young people now is like I, uh, they get a lot of times you, you, you can sometimes take it out on the art. You sort of go, oh, well, this show is not interesting to me anymore. I'm like, no, this is actually what you're experiencing is uh, what a great dancer who's no longer with us told me when I was working with him on Broadway. He said, don't let him fool you, buddy boy. This is blue collar work, <laughs> and, uh, and I think what he was saying is, you're only going to get you you're only getting so much art out of it. Yeah. And at some point, our job is to make the donuts, and our job is to put on that costume and make the audience think that this is the first time we're experiencing it. Like it can feel like a little bit of torture when you put that costume on, but then of course once you get out there, it's right. all fine. But it's hard to. It's, I try to help young people through that hump because I know that hump. And I and but the sooner you understand that your duty is is a little tough, and that dance is blue collar. It is an it is a it is a blue collar job. Acting to is too. Acting is as well. You have it is you have to. It's like working with machinery all day. You you don't get to. You don't get too, You don't like, do, sick. Right. There's not <laughs> right. a day where you're like, I bet that machine will do it on its yes. own or as right. a mechanic, I'm right.
0: sure i right. sure, yeah. I'm sure I
1: can do it without getting beneath the the carriage of the car. You're like, "No, you know what? You still got to do it. You still got to crouch. You know, my dad was an electrician. He had to crawl through ducts every day and uh, there was no way to do it without it." No, that's And right. I think there's probably um, the part of growing up and having jobs is just knowing that sometimes the glamour is gone, <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah, it's okay, and that's where you—that's where you rely on your technique, your discipline, and all of your tricks. But as I think, as a young person, it's great to do these tours. Uh, these, uh, this—it's great to do this right out of college because I think it really teaches you the discipline to stay healthy, the discipline to give the same performance every time, and to experience all the gloom and doom that goes about when the fairy dust.
0: Yeah, when it's, <laughs> right, when you're tired, you know, when you're bored. Okay, so you went to New York.
1: Uh, yeah, so I went to New York. Uh, I, I went to New York. I was a dancer and performer in musical theater. I, so you worked? I worked. I always worked. I was very fortunate. Yeah, you're
0: saying this as though this is no big deal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I worked. I was very fortunate. I, uh... Boy, I never had to have another job other than theater. Do
0: you have any? Well, I know you know how extraordinary that is.
1: It's extraordinary. I was very fortunate. It's not fortunate. Uh, I I think the years that I put into my craft before I ever moved to the city really helped me so that I could instantly join the ranks of professionals. And uh, I got work. I got work. It wasn't necessarily Broadway right away, mm-hmm. but I, I got work, and I was happy for it. Yeah. And I had great experiences. I worked with a lot of great people. I worked all over the country. And uh, and then I got a show that sort of changed my professional life. I got the musical Fosse, mm-hmm. uh, the original cast. Uh, I'd done some... I'd worked with some people who were working on that project, and they said, you know, we're putting together a workshop cast for Fosse. You should audition and uh, I remember it was late at night, they were all doing pre-production and I put on my, my nice audition outfit and I went and uh, they'd already seen me dance, I went to, I'd already danced for them and I went in and they sang. And uh, all the singing paid off because they said we need somebody who could dance and sing and, and I got the job. And, uh, and years later it finally came to Broadway and uh, it was sort of my grad program of, <laughs> of uh, we took company class every day we went we did workshop after workshop and we did like all almost all of Bob Fosse's catalog which is immense what? and so i i think bob Fosse was my grad program and i and i we just it made me a broadway dancer i was a good dancer before but it turned me into a broadway dancer and uh and then after that i had a it really opened the door for me as a, as a and if, as a career in new york i it opened up uh because i I continued on to do shows for 10 more years. I was in seven Broadway musicals. Oh, my God. Um, I did... um,
0: Well, wait, wait, wait. So then you became a director? How did that happen?
1: Well, it didn't happen for a while. I was a Broadway dancer for 10 years. Then um, while I was dancing, towards the last Broadway musical I did was Chicago the musical, and it was a long-running musical. You talk about how long... show's running and how you have to keep it fresh and how I kept it fresh is that I would be creative during the day. I would have another artistic outlet and I would volunteer for any benefit. I would choreograph. I would write. I was writing lyrics for shows. I was doing anything I could to just be creative because at night I was doing the same show and I felt like I didn't want to be bitter for that. I wanted to be grateful for that. So I tried to fill my day as an artist so that I didn't blame the show at night for not allowing me to be to do anything different and I really loved my time in Chicago it was great and they were very kind and they gave me time off to choreograph so how my my career started as a choreographer and I would get jobs at the Ozil Rep and they would uh, I was still in Chicago the musical when I came here to do this really so yeah they gave me time off I would go I would choreograph the show then I'd come back and uh And then I started getting more work and more work. And finally, Walter Bobby, the director, called me and said, Josh, I can't keep giving you leaves of absence. You have to jump. It's time. You're a choreographer. And that's really hard to hear. One, young Josh got into this business to perform. Right. Uh, So it's, I don't think there was anything that was going to make me give that up for anything if I could do both. And he said, he goes, I did the same thing. I was a performer. And at some point you have to say, it's time.
0: Well, because dance has a shelf life.
1: It certainly does. It certainly does. But, you know, I definitely could have stayed in Chicago and done that for many more years and been very happy. But I had these great opportunities that I could, I knew in my heart I couldn't, I couldn't not do it. So, and I I felt like I was good at it, too.
0: Well, and again, somebody says, you do this now. Yes. (laughs) It's amazing. It's amazing. Yes, it is.
1: And Walter is now a dear friend of mine because he hired me as a choreographer (laughs) for the Broadway musical Bright Star that we just did this last year. Uh, Oh, my God. So he's a dear friend of mine. And I always tell him, like, Walter, I jumped into this because of you. He was the one person who said, and, you know, he said, he goes, no, I'd seen your work. And I knew you were talented. And I knew it's time for you to go. It's like, stop this. Stop. Stop kind of doing it. Yes. And he goes, if you actually do it, you'll actually get work. And he was right. <laughs> you open yourself up to any job, uh, as opposed to when you're in a Broadway musical, you're like, well, I'll only take the really good ones because mm-hmm. I don't want to give up my night job. And so finally, by giving up my night job, my show, my, my career opened up as a choreographer. And, it, um, and I'm so grateful that I did it because I started getting more work. I started uh, getting a name. And then I was hired to do my first Broadway musical as a choreographer with Cinderella the Musical. Ah. I was... Uh, um, I was given an audition, and I um, wow. I brought in a cast of dancers, and I put together um, what I thought a few numbers would look like. And the producers and the writers all showed up. They all looked at it, and um, I was. Then they said, "We're gonna decide. We have a we have a couple more people we're looking at." And I was doing Yentl here at the Oslo Rep, and I was in the Mertz rehearsal room when I got the call.
0: Oh my god! And I
1: was like, "Oh my god! I'm gonna be a Broadway choreographer." Uh, I
0: didn't know that they auditioned choreographers that way. Sometimes. sometimes. Wow.
1: Well, sometimes as a young choreographer, you're you're grateful for it because um, it's, I think, the only way that, you know, because there's so many choreographers that have, that you go, oh, I know what they do because I saw this show, this show, this show. When you're young and you go, I've been working like crazy regionally, but you haven't seen any of it, you're grateful to actually get them in a room to go, this is what I would do with a Broadway musical. And (laughs) you're grateful when they go... I
0: like it. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so, no kidding. No So no it's kidding. great. And, you know, Cinderella has been a blessing. It's still in my life. It's still the national. We just put up another national tour of it uh, while this was going on. Uh, so it just continues. The The legacy of Cinderella from 2011 is still going. Um, it's great. It's been a wonderful thing. And it opened the door for me again, like Fosse did. It opened the door for me as a choreographer right. and I choreographed. And after that, I choreographed First Date, a musical comedy on Broadway. I, it should have been You, directed by David Hyde Pierce, which is a musical th- comedy on Broadway. And then Bright Star, written by Edie Burkell and Steve Martin. And that, uh, that actually opened the door for me more as a director because it was um, the staging of it is very. It has a lot of movement and a lot of dance, but not a lot of pirouettes and a lot, not a lot of trained yes. dancers dancing. Um, so people saw that as a director's vision because of the way I moved the scenery around and it's actually opened me up to a lot of jobs and it's been great and so I've been getting um, more work as a director choreographer this year than this than ever before and I really think it was because of Bright Star
0: No, it was because this is what you were meant to do I'm sorry, (laughs) I'm sorry it just keeps, it's, it's an evolutionary story, it's I mean, you don't understand yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I mean guess. it's fascinating. I mean, yeah. you—it's almost as though after you found Oklahoma, <laughs> you know, the thing had a life of its own.
1: Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. Yeah,
0: it's amazing. It's an amazing story. So, Josh, what is this—the seventh show you're doing for the Osla? <laughs>
1: this is the seventh show. Uh, seventh show. So grateful to be back.
0: And we're so grateful to have you. And the seventh show is Sound of Music. Yes. And the recording of Sound of Music and of Oklahoma mm-hmm. was the beginning of your falling in love with musical theater. Yeah. So this is a kind of coming home for you.
1: In, in a big way.
0: Please, it, tell it, me.
1: Well, you, when Michael Edwards wrote me and said what are your thoughts on the sound of music um you know I, and I just was very very blunt i said well it's just one of those it's one of those musicals that's in my blood uh you know it's one of those early musicals that make you love musicals yeah. it's one of the original albums that i had memorized
0: yes yes um, yes you
1: know that feeling I do. when you have something memorized and the tunes are just part of you uh the movie recording not the the, state, the Broadway recordings. Yeah. My parents had purchased the, the movie. Um, so I always loved it. But, you know, what was interesting is that I... And then, of course, when, when, when he said, what about Sound of Music? I said, send me the script. And so he sent me the script. And it's funny. I hadn't graduated from childhood love of Sound of Music to an adult. Wow. I hadn't watched it. I hadn't been a part of it. I had done a... A professional production when I was an apprentice at 15, (laughs) you know, I played the thunder in the wings, (laughs) and uh, I sabotaged the set changes. I was so terrible as a backstage crew person. I never really looked at it as an adult, and I was amazed at the script. I was amazed at the story. I was amazed at the scene work that was so sophisticated, Um, stuff that went way over my head as a kid was suddenly there looking at me saying, wow, The Sound of Music is actually an incredible adult story.
0: So it's interesting, it's kind of a merging of your, uh, the, your childhood attraction mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. and then your adult understanding, a deeper understanding of what it is, okay. right? Well, sort of the,
1: a lot of great works of art, and I, I consider this a great work of art, have qualities to them that, um, that open up to you in different parts of your life. You know, everybody says certain shows after you become a mother or a father or right. after you've lost someone, a yes. show becomes more rich. Certain stories, certain uh, parts of the mythology of the stories that we, that we tell become deeper at different points in your life. And this is one that, case in point, you know, it's a different story as a child to watch the show, I think, than an adult... Because I find the, the politics behind it quite chilling. Uh, the dangers of neutrality in the face of a beast for everyone to, to look the other way, yes. for people in Austria to look the other way and say, surely it'll all turn out fine. Yeah. And it's something we all do. That's what the writers were saying. Um, in what ways are you hiding behind neutrality? And when do you need to climb a mountain and yes. fight for your kids and fight for what you know is right um, if somebody's doing monstrous things are you going to speak out against it and uh, it begins with every single character they're negotiating how to make easier choices but in the end at the end of the day they have to make terrible horrible choices that risk their lives but will, at the end of the day, better their lives. And it's the right decision. And I think we all think that we would be the Captain of Maria, and we all think that we would climb a mountain if faced with joining the Nazi party. At the end of the day, we believe that we will choose climbing a mountain. (laughs) I I think, truly, we do believe that. And uh, that's what makes the optimism of the show and the heart of the show so moving. But boy, when I was a kid, I wasn't thinking about Nazis. (laughs) I was just thinking about this broken family. What I could relate to as a kid is every family's need to sort of have a a coming together. Um, They felt like they had lost their dad. And then this woman comes in and fixes their family. Now, as a child, even though I did not have a broken family, I think you always feel that. You understand what your family means to you. So the show perfectly captures... A family dynamic that's quite deep. The mother died, the father has distanced himself from the family, has coped. The only way he knows how is to treat by shutting down and treating them like a military family, by giving them order. In a world that's turning, spinning out of control, he's trying to grip his family and give them order to protect them. And I think that's so beautiful. And what kid wouldn't understand that in some way really understand you know like grumpy dad finally <laughs> turns into warm dad um it's a beautiful just for a kid's take it's a stunning show but then you add in all the other layers uh that that the that the adults can take in the adults that are were with the you know and i consider myself even though i don't have a family i'm an adult that has to take care of children as well even if they're not my own we have, to, we have to look after the children. We have to look out for the next generation. And that's so moving. And the, 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 the captain and Maria say, no, this, this is not, this what is happening to our country is not something we want to have for our children. And I'm not going to have my child in the Nazi Youth Party. I'm not going to let them succumb to that. It, I will run. Before that happens, and I think it's quite lovely.
0: Yeah, I do think that it, in its own way, it's timely. Mm-hmm. You know, because we are being asked to make choices even now yeah. about what we believe in and what we can support and what we don't mm. believe in and what we can't support, Yeah, you know?
1: I mean, we're throwing around the word Nazi these days, like we're trying to figure out whether Nazis are good or bad, or yeah, right. whether they're misunderstood, yeah, right. and which is just crazy to me. Yeah. That's right. quite crazy, because if you do, if you read history at all, that's a crazy concept.
0: Well, there are people who are saying that the Holocaust didn't happen, you know?
1: Yeah, when I, interesting enough, I went to Austria year after I knew I was doing this, I was in Europe already and so I had time off and I went to Vienna and I went to a synagogue and I took a tour of uh, the memorial for the Holocaust victims. This wonderful rabbi talked about how they are, what he feels they're going through, they're trying to remind people about the Holocaust in Austria. Crazy but he said there are people who are trying to say that it's all been made up and they're trying to say that this, that people like this rabbi are creating
0: a division. whole
1: division by actually saying that it happened and it really wasn't as bad and Austria didn't, their neutrality, they, did, they were forced into it, they didn't actually make the decision um, but it was very moving to me because I saw in this man's face as he's like as a volunteer taking us through this museum to help us understand so that each day he can reach someone and say it happened right right and here's proof
0: right and so in a way i'm sure this is what you're saying sound of music does the same thing
1: it, exactly right. and it does it for kids
0: and it, what i hear you saying is that you okay. can hear that in that or you don't have to hear that and that. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can hear the family story, you can hear the music, you can watch the dancing, right? Yeah. But, the, but the, the message is there, whether you pay attention or not, yeah. the message is there. And
1: as a child gets older and studies, they'll have, some place t- they'll have a way to place that period. I always think it's great. Fictional, this is not even fictional, but this is a presented like fiction it's based on a a true story um but it's presented like a a perfect narrative that has a beginning middle and end yeah right
0: right right
1: right, that's that's almost fiction because nothing has a perfect beginning middle and end but i think that for kids though i mean what a wonderful way to place that period in your head so that when you read about it you or
0: when you hear other people talk about it even
1: you understand what it is that's right and that's right.
0: and uh, and, uh, and also for adults to confront the fact that we may all have to make choices like that yeah you know we yeah. we may be needing to make choices like that i heard today that some small town library wanted to get uh, the New York Times digitally. Oh yeah. And, and they
1: took, I, I read it too. It's like in... Yeah, right. I'm not having Tennessee fake news. Or somewhere. Right? I'm not it? having yeah, fake news
0: in my library, right? Yeah. I mean, right? I mean, if that's not the beginning of it, I don't know.
1: Well, here's the thing. Yeah. Researching this, researching that, researching Yeah. all these, basically, the rise of nationalism and right. dictatorship. Right. Read, like, are chilling. Yes. When you actually read the years before and the years, uh, the and when years it, yeah. prior to Peron getting rid of the press, right? Any industry that didn't pay into them, like mobsters. I mean, it, it, it's it's quite chilling when you sort of think about the the efforts that went underway in Germany and in Austria uh, to yeah. silence any other voice that was right. against. Any voice that was against them was silenced and considered false. Yes. And what scares me even more is that the, the public started to enjoy that. They liked the strength right. of the leader speaking out against it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's why I just think that's why our stories on stage matter, because I think you have to understand history in order to survive this world. I think we need to learn. We need to know, and I, there's so much I don't know. But I, I try to keep my eyes open for history as a lesson, yeah. Because luckily in theater we deal with history on a daily basis. So it's my offering to people of like, come, I'll I'll put it in the trappings of a yes, delightful right. story with songs, but also learn something about history, like place something, like place the rise of of Hitler's Germany in history through these characters on stage. Just place it somewhere in your timeline so you understand that that happened and that was somewhere in our world at some point.
0: And that we're vulnerable to that again.
1: And that these good, good people were all vulnerable to it and they all had to make decisions.
0: That is great. You know, I have a question that I, my last question that I ask, and it is... Having spent actually an entire life in musical theater in one way or another, what would you say about that or about what that feels like or what you think about it?
1: The fact that I've spent my whole life
0: doing it? Yes. Well, you have. I have. Yes. I mean, I see that five-year-old boy taking the, 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 the records and putting them on, you know, and not screaming. You know, oh, right?
1: I know, I know. It's sometimes crazy, and it doesn't really hit me until random moments when we're doing something usually ridiculous, where we're like trying to figure out how to get a prop to 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 fly across the stage, and we're literally like a whole group of grown adults are throwing the <laughs> plastic around, and then I go... What do we do for a (laughs) living? But it's all, it's because it all just looks like a ridiculous game, but uh, we take it very seriously. Yes, yes. Uh, What would my younger self think right now that I'm sitting here, not only having performed for many years, but now directing and still sitting in a theater every day, still going to work to create stories. Mm -hmm. I think I would, I know I'd be so happy because really I'm happy as long as I'm telling stories. Yes. You know, as long as it's a story I like to tell, I'm totally happy.
0: That's a great place to stop. Thank you so much, Josh (laughs) Roberts. You're welcome.